Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. For Ephesus, at this time, the honeymoon was over. They had had this burning love and these burning, these great works that they were doing, but then something happened. Someone has said that 90% of the activity in the average local assembly will go on as it is presently, even if the Holy Spirit did not exist. And that's kind of an indictment, and that's really what Jesus was saying to this church. You know, if, um, you, know you could be doing everything for the wrong reasons. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio with Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob continues to lead us through the letter to the Church of Ephesus and how they left their first love. There is a definite, sure difference in their relationship with Jesus. Things aren't as they used to be. It isn't that we expect that we should have the exact same excitement we had when everything was brand new in the Christian life. But the newness should transition into a depth that makes the first love even stronger. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Allow ourselves to be the conduit of God's message of the gospel and also of his love. We become perverted. We become less than what we were created to be. That would be like Ford making a, a new F-150 on the... On the, on the um, uh, on the assembly line, and the car gets completely finished. It looks spotly, you know, it looks spotless, and the chrome is shining. And they put it out there on the showroom floor. And that F-150 says, "You know what? I don't want to be a truck anymore. I'm tired of these contractors throwing their shovels in the back of my truck, in the back of me, and, and running around in the mud. I want to do something else with my life. It doesn't. The, the, the truck doesn't have that option. The truck was created." for a specific thing. The church has been created for a certain thing, and when we cease to do that, we become perverse. And there are some ministers or some churches, people in churches too, that they've forgotten why they exist in the first place. They've forgotten who it is that they should be serving and why they should be serving. Our motivation is so important. We have to be personally and corporately motivated rightly. You know, and, and and we have to do it uh, because you know, are we are we Christians only so that we can have the assurance of going to heaven and not going to hell? Uh, do do we become a Christian just because we will have hope that God will do good things for us? Is that really where it it ends for us? And while those things aren't necessarily wrong, we want to go to heaven. We want God to give us good things, and He does. Are we eternally grateful for what He has done for us and what He has spared us from? 
That's the thing I, I got to consider, you know. And remember, he was forsaken on the cross and was separated from God the Father for the very first time. He had never experienced that in all of his existence. And he saved us from an eternity separated from God. And he gave himself an offering for sin. He gave his life. He took our place in judgment. We could not pay the price for that atonement, but Jesus did. He did because he's God in the flesh. And so Jesus walks among the different churches and he has the right to critique and to examine. And I believe he's doing that with us right now, isn't he? Just by reading this letter, he's critiquing us, he's examining our hearts. And will you allow your heart to be examined? You know, and, and again, this is a difficult time in our history of our country and the church as well. We'll never forget this. But I hope that God has his complete way in all of us throughout all of this. And again, don't be condemned. This is not about condemnation at all. I want to be convicted because I know there are things that I need to change in my life. I would ask you to do that today. I would ask you to think about those kinds of things and get serious. And get serious in proclaiming that message with your family, with your friends, with your co-workers. And Jesus has the right to do these things, to examine us, because he created us, number one, and also he redeemed us. By the act of creation and redemption, he has that right to do those things. And don't be afraid of giving him all of your life. What, what is there to be afraid of? I used to be afraid of, I had a, a, a friend of mine named David Rickards, and uh, <laughs> he used to share and uh, pray for me often. And um, I'll never forget thinking to myself, I don't want to be like him. But now I am, thankfully. But he has the right. And see, the thing is, is we have nothing to be afraid of. We have nothing to be afraid of. God's plan for my life, for your life, is so great we can't even imagine. And, and many of you are experiencing it right now. I mean, would you ever want to go back again? to your old life, there's no way I'd want to go back. There's only going forward and upward. I don't, I could, that old life of mine is dead. It's gone. I'm glad. Good riddance. It's buried six feet under, and hallelujah for that, right? But I don't want to be like that. But you know what? When God gets a hold of you, He changes your heart. He gives you a new heart, and that's wonderful. But you know what? Any fellowship can easily get off focus if we get our focus off of Jesus. You remember in Matthew chapter 14, um, Jesus, we were just in Israel uh, a couple weeks ago now, and we actually took a boat from the western, I'm sorry, the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee to the western shore over to Gennesaret. And it's the same trip that Jesus and his disciples made. Uh, look with me at Matthew chapter 14, because I think this is important. Because we can get our focus off of Jesus, and the only thing that happens when that happens is we begin to sink. We begin to sink morally. We begin to sink in every other way. Look with me at Matthew 14, beginning in verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples, and this is right on the heels of Jesus ministering to those 5,000 on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. He had ministered to the 5,000 with the bread and the fish. The fish, And so immediately after that, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and they went before him to the other side, which is on the western side or the place of Gennesaret or um, Nof Gennesar is where we went. 
And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain uh, by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And now on the fourth watch of the night, so this is sometime between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning, when the disciples saw Jesus, or in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And it's really not a sea, it's a lake. So he's walking across the lake, and they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water. And I love that. I love that. None of the other disciples were thinking that, but Peter was just crazy enough, and I love that about him is that he's like, you know what, if this is really you, Lord, if you really this powerful, let me come out to you. And so what did, the, what did Jesus say to him? Verse 29, so he said, come. Come on, Peter, hop out of the boat. Come out and meet me. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now look what happened. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, and the wind can be like all the distractions in our life, all the things that are going on. Even this coronavirus can be the wind, boisterous, all around us, right? Completely freaking us out. We're looking at the wind, and we're supposed to be looking at Jesus. Look what happened. So, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And fear is, is a natural thing, and that's okay. And he began to sink, and he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and they worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Now what's the point in all this? As long as Peter had his focus on Jesus, he was able to walk. He was the only one. He was the only one to walk on water. Moses didn't even walk on water. Moses walked through the water. The sea was parted and he walked on dry ground along with the Israelites. But Peter was the only one in history that's ever walked on water other than Jesus himself. So before we bash Peter too much, we have to realize he was the only one who even had the guts to do it, right? So he walks out and as long as his focus was on Jesus. And see, that's where ours needs to be too. So as long as his focus was there on Christ, he was able to walk. I would have loved to have seen what would happen if he would have just kept his focus they could have played frisbee out there and, and <laughs> you know, they could have done a number of things. But as soon as he saw all the noise around him, he starts looking at that instead of Jesus. And see, that's the, the lesson for us today. One of the lessons is not to let those things crowd in around us. Be careful, folks. Keep Church, keep your eyes on Jesus, not on anyone else, no one else, no other message. We listen to the messages, take what's good, leave out what's not so good, but mainly focus on Him and focus on His Word. Focus on the Word of God. Focus on Jesus Christ. It's the only peace you're going to have. If you look at everything else, you're going to start losing it. You can give your peace away. Did you know that? Jesus said, My peace I give unto you. Don't give it away. When you're in the Word and when you're in prayer and when you're thinking and doing and and serving Him, helping others at this time, you're not going to be thinking about what's happening on Drudge Report. You're not going to be thinking about what's happening on CNN or Fox News. You're going to be busy. Be busy about the things of God. Get your heart right. Pray and seek Him with all of your heart. Let's go on to verse 2. Notice what Jesus said to this church at Ephesus. He says, I know your works, I know your labor and your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And the word works there is toil. 
Uh, so he says, I know your works. These are things I know about you. And you know, there's some in our fellowship who really do. They really labor and they, they've been toiling for years. And you know what? Praise the Lord for you. Praise the Lord for you who have worked and you've toiled for years. And then labor. He says, I know your labor. This is the idea of this is intense labor with grief and with sorrow. Isn't it true that serving the Lord often is that, that there's grief associated with it? There's sorrow in it because you see the state of people and you see uh, the state of things. And yet you're called to be right in the middle of it and still minister love and peace and grace and compassion even to people that don't even care and, and they, they, you'll never get an applause for it. No one's going to stand around and applaud us for doing those things. But Jesus will. And He is. Notice the patience. He goes, I've, no, I've seen your patience, church, in this Ephesus. I've seen your patience. And this is endurance. In the New Testament, the characteristic, this is the characteristic of someone who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith to even the greatest trials and sufferings. That's what... That word means patience, it's endurance, it's, it's um, in, in the difficult times, it's fortitude, going forward in spite of those things. And see, here it is, it's possible to work hard for the Lord, and we should be working for the Lord, but first, spend the time with Him that you, that you need, get to know Him, get to know His heart, be fully raptured in your heart through Him first. And then, as a result of that relationship, then we go out and do. And see, that's the difference. There are many people who are busy going out, doing all kinds of things. And it is possible to be out there busy, 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 doing many things, laboring and persevering, and then forgetting why and whom you're doing it for. It's very possible. And it happens all the time. And that's when the church, like Ephesus, comes into view because they had all of that going for them, but they had left their first love. And so the motivation behind all of these things was so important. It's so important in the motivation, the reasons why we do things. The church at Ephesus was a formidable force. They were. They had a lot of things going. They were dedicated. They were busy. They endured hardship. They were doers of the Word. <laughs> they were. Remember what it says in James? He says, um, Thus also... Faith by itself, if it does not have works. Remember, James says, if faith does not have works, it is dead. In other words, we can claim to have a faith in God and yet do nothing about it. And, 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 and we prove, don't we, by doing nothing that we really don't have a faith at all. And see, our works, we know, don't make us right before God. We know that our works don't save us. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, right? It says that in Ephesians 2, verse 8. So we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Otherwise, we would. But as a result of that faith, as a result of that relationship, we do something then, right? Isn't that the natural indicator that God is doing something in my heart, in your heart, when we, when we do that? When we know that we've been saved and, and, and we understand the great... I mean, remember Mary Magdalene, out of whom Jesus cast out seven demons? She was forgiven much, and therefore she loved much. And I love that. And that, that's kind of me, you know. I mean, I wasn't a, a, a serial killer, uh, but I had my issues in my life, um, you know, and, and as we all do. But you know what? Those who have been forgiven much, they love much. But, but notice what James says. He says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And then James says, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. See the difference? I can, show my, I can prove my faith by doing things. 
But I better be doing things motivated out of love for God rather than just being busy. Anybody can do that. Americans, we have the to-do list down. We can take a list and we can execute that list. We can get anything done on the planet if, if, we, want, if we put our mind to it because we're good at activity. But the one thing that we're, we're not so good at is standing still and waiting and listening and especially to the Lord and letting Him motivate us, letting the very love of God be infused in us because you know the difference when somebody's doing something just to put a notch in their belt and somebody who's doing something motivated by love, you know it when you see it because there's a selflessness involved. They could care less about themselves and sometimes they, you know, they don't even need to necessarily care about you to, to some great extent. They're doing it because Jesus loves you and they show up with a meal. They show up with something to help you with. And they're not hung up on what you might think of them. Although they do love you and they demonstrate it, they're doing it because they love God. And you're being loved as a result of that. You know, and what a wonderful thing that is. But notice, he goes on, and he says, And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. In, in Acts chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, we really find out who the requirements of an apostle. And it's very simple. There are no more apostles today. There are men who have titles a mile long after their name. Well, I am the, you know, the most reverend, uh, you know, DDDMS, you know, and they have all these lofty titles, and it just keeps going on. You know, I'm the apostle and bishop of of, of New York, and you know, I've, you know, and then this list keeps getting longer and longer and longer. Right, but notice what the definition of of, an, of a true apostle. There were only twelve of them, and it, the the requirements are written for us in Acts one verse twenty one. Says Peter says, therefore of these men, you can read it in context, but this was after Judas had hung himself, and the church had met in the upper room the very day that uh, Jesus was resurrected, and Jesus did appear to them that same day. But notice what it says. It says, Therefore, of these men who have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in, out, went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And Peter did that because Judas had hung himself, and he thought, we, we need to add another guy. right? But what was the requirement? That they had to be with them from the beginning of the baptism of John to the day that he that Jesus was taken up. He had to be a witness of those things. That was the requirement. There's nobody on the earth who has that ability now. So there are no more apostles in that sense. But going on in verse 3, notice what Jesus says. You've persevered. You have patience. And have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. And again, the idea of persevered is, is to, to carry a burden. To, to, to carry a burden, like a big load on your shoulders. And that can be figuratively or literally. Um, and so it, it means to bear with um, something that's burdensome, to carry something. And Jesus is saying, I know that you do this. You have persevered, you've had patience, and you've labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And here is the crux of the whole matter today. And I'm going to be going a little longer today because we can. So bear with me. I know this is a long message. But this word love is agape. And this is honeymoon love. Remember that day, guys and gals, when you 
when you, um, the day you got married and the, the way you looked at your spouse in the eye as you said your vows and your hearts were just, tears were coming out of your face and out of your eyes and you would just do anything. You would do anything for that person. You would give your very life for them, right? That's the kind of love. It's the kind of honeymoon love. You, you do, you'd be willing, your, your heart is on fire in love with someone. And you know, that's the way Jesus would have us to be for him. And, and that's the way, guys, we ought to see our brides. Even though you may have been married for many years, you know, don't let that flame die. Always be wooing your wife and loving her and encouraging her. Always try to win her. And wives, do the same for your husbands. There's a decision we can make. You know, we can either uh, stoke those fires or we can let them die. And don't let that don't let that happen, guys. Get the flowers on the way home. Do you feel like getting her flowers and bringing her, uh, you know, something that she likes to eat? Maybe bringing that home to her. You may not always feel that, but you know, when you don't feel like it, just do it anyway, and watch what happens as a result of her. Look at her eyes when you bring those home, and watch the reciprocation. She hugs you. She kisses you. And you think about that love. It's it's a decision. It's not a feeling so much. The feelings can catch up later, but it's a, it's, a, it's a decision that you have to make. Love is like that, isn't it? Long after the honeymoon, the, 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 the determination to continue to love is there, but it's a decision, and you can continue doing it. But unfortunately, many people just kind of sit on the couch and watch television, and they, and they just kind of they don't talk anymore, and that's their fault. But we need to be better than that, and especially with the Lord, especially with our spouses. Let it encourage you. So do you remember the day you were married? For Ephesus, at this time, the honeymoon was over. They had had this burning love and these burning, these great works that they were doing, but then something happened. Someone has said that 90% of the activity in the average local assembly will go on as it is presently, even if the Holy Spirit did not exist. And that's kind of an indictment, and that's really what Jesus was saying to this church. You know, if... Um, you know, you can be doing everything for the wrong reasons. You can be doing everything for the wrong reasons. In 1 Corinthians, Paul said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, even though I can do these things I, I, and have not love, I've become like sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, he's speaking hypothetically here, and I know all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and, and have not love, I am nothing. He goes on in that passage, and you get the idea. I can have all of these things going for me, but if I don't have God's love, agape love, I am nothing but sounding brass. I'm just an empty, I'm just an empty instrument. Turn with me to John chapter 21. You remember John chapter 21 beginning in verse 15. This is a passage that we know very well but I think it fits. Remember, after Jesus' death, after his resurrection, remember that the angel in the tomb, when Peter and John looked in, or uh, actually I think it was Mary, uh, told the disciples to, to go meet Jesus in Galilee. And so they ended up going up to Galilee. That's quite a ways away to the north. So finally, the disciples go up there, and Peter's just like, he gets really discouraged and he says, you know what, I'm just going back to my fishing business. I know Jesus called me, you know, three, three and a half years ago and he's dead, so I'm just going to go back to my old business. So what does he do? He and the guys, they get in the boat, they're out fishing all night, they didn't catch anything. 
and they get close to shore and they see Jesus. And this is where it picks up. John chapter 21, verse 15. And this is important to notice. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to, because they got to the shore, says, so when they had eaten breakfast on the shore, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you agapeo me? That's the word there. You remember this. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.